Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Good Sunday afternoon, everybody. Yes, it's time to talk some sports. Oh, with a little chilly, gorgeous Sunday. 1-800-919-3776. Also via X, formerly Twitter, at Hardesty ESPN at ESPN NY, 98 underscore 7 FM. We ride with you until 530 that's when we, we begin our Rangers-Blue Jackets coverage as the Rangers look for their 11th consecutive win. Oh, go! Never mind. I'm sorry. Get ahead of myself. Jacob and Julian along for the ride here. 1-800-919-3776. We begin, of course, with last night's Nick game. Especially following the Sixers-Bucks game you just heard right here on 9870 ESPN. And we have a bunch of games on our family of networks. Right now, you've got... The Lakers and Suns on ABC. You got a couple more games tonight on ESPN. So, oh, if you are if you are a basketball fan, you are loving this Sunday because there's a lot of games going on. But I'm going to start with the Nick game last night. And look, I know we're going to get a bunch of phone calls. I know we're going to have people just like, oh my God, how's this thing? We're sitting here talking about this Nick team. How are they going to be Boston? Boston this, Boston that. Listen, Boston right now is the best team in the in the NBA. It's not even close. Minnesota's in the in the conversation. Denver, obviously, you can't say they're not very good. They are the defending champions. Clippers are really good. Milwaukee is showing some signs. But right now, Boston, from wire to wire, has been the most consistent, the best team in the league. And you give them credit because even though they got deep into the playoffs again, they knew that they weren't winning. So what they did, they didn't bring the same team back. They didn't run it back. What they decided to do was, hey, you know what we're doing? What we're going to do is add to our roster. And so they brought in Drew Holiday. They brought in Christos Porzingis, who just lit up the garden with threes last night. And they made their front court even better. And so while their backcourt, you added one of the best defensive players at the guard position in the National Basketball Association. So what they did was they said, we are not winning. We haven't won. We can't go back and try to do it again. So let's make some changes. And so the Knicks, who went kind of healthy, right, when they had also Brunson and Randall, were not able to beat this Boston Celtics team. They've not beaten the Celtics during the regular season yet so far at 4-0. And that includes play, the, you know, the, the – the, um, you know, the NBA game championship games of earlier in the season. So when you looked at last night, you just didn't want your team to get embarrassed. And if you and if they came in, even though they had won seven straight, the Celtics, if they came in a little like a days ago, a little, yeah, a little off their game, you had a chance to steal one on your floor in your building. But several things happened last night that caused me to go, huh. Why are we why are they doing that? All right, the first thing that caused that made me go, "Huh, why are they doing that?" is very simple. It's why are we double teaming Jason Tatum to trying to get the ball out of his hands when you have a three-point shooter in Porzingis, you have a three-point shooter in Jalen Brown who also could put the ball on the deck and go anywhere he wants. You've got really good shooters coming off the bench. Porzingis was was on fire last night. And so I'm looking and and I'm like, what what are we doing? I mean, White hit shots. Uh, Hauser in the third quarter was very good. Horford is hanging around the basket. You know, so why what was the mindset in you trying to take the ball out of Jason Tatum's hands? when you know that he's going to find the right person because he's not going to give up the dribble. He's not a player that, okay, here's the pressure, let me stop my dribble, and so you can you know double-team him and he throws the ball away and you can get in, in the passing lanes and head down and try to get some fast-break buckets. He's not that type of player. So that was number one. Number two was the wide open... The, nobody challenged three-point shooters. Now, part of it was because you're double-teaming. So if you're double-teaming, somebody's going to be open. And give Boston credit, they whipped the ball around and they moved the ball faster than, than you, faster through the air than you could move your feet. 
and they did what they were supposed to do. You doubled, they moved the ball around, they had people spread out around the perimeter, and then they had one person cutting to the basket, and the Knicks got beat time after time after time after time after time. And on the other, on the defensive end, what Boston did was they played outstanding defense. Now, Jalen Brunson was able to put some people in there and put them in this as, um, you know, as, 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 as we love to watch him do. He was in the painted area. He was doing his little moves, his footwork, which is outstanding. Okay, outstanding. And as Wally Zerbiak, he put him in the, as I always love to say, put him in the blender. And, and, and he made some great moves. Unfortunately, because of the way the defense was and the Knicks were not able because they couldn't stop anybody, they had limited possessions where they pushed the basketball down court. So they didn't have an advantage. So now they're pushing the basketball, the defense is back, and now everybody's passing and everybody's forcing up threes and they're not going in and they're trying to rush and the shots are going wild and they've got turnover after turnover after turnover. It was a mess in the third quarter. I, I mean, the game was close in the first half. This was, not a, this was not a blowout game in the first half. This was a close game. But that third quarter turned. Celtics scored 35 points in that third quarter. So they outscored the Knicks by nine, but it was a big turnaround because they turned up the defense. And the fourth quarter was really, most of the fourth quarter was, okay, let's see who you have and we'll just, you know, we'll do what we can. So I I was a little confused, a little confused by what the Nick thought process was. Um, And once again, for one of the few times, the rebounding was close. Now, the Knicks still out-rebounded them off the offensive boards 15-11, and the Knicks had three more rebounds than the Celtics. But it wasn't, you know, the double-digit rebounds you're used to seeing. I mean, Achua had eight points and nine boards. Um, Josh Hart normally is in double figures with rebounds, 16 points and eight rebounds. No, no, not bad, okay? And Hardenstein had seven rebounds and six points. Once again, they out-rebounded. But unfortunately, from a turnover standpoint, the Knicks almost doubled Boston's turnovers. Almost doubled. Boston had only seven turnovers while the Knicks had 13. So, and, you know, the guys that you expected that you brought in to shoot the basketball, the guys that you brought in to, you know, give you that spark, I mean, let's look. Okay, Alec Burks, 3 of 11. Bojan Bogdanovich, 2 of 7. And every shot was contested. They, they had to work for those shots. They had to work. Jalen Brunson, 12 of 25, 34. I mean, he is who he is. He is who he is. Now, clearly, if you have... Julius Randle, now they're not king on Brunson. Or they'll say, because last night I said, oh, Brunson can have, who else? nobody else is beating us. Let Brunson have his, nobody else is beating us. We're not going to stop him. We'll, we'll do what we can. We'll put bigger people on him. We'll, we'll put Brown on him. We'll put, you know, uh, whoever, whoever we need to. We'll put Holiday on him sometimes. We'll put White on him sometimes. We'll put Brown on him sometimes. We'll put Tatum on him sometimes. You know, we'll, we'll do what we need to do. A couple of times I saw Horford was on him. So they're going to give him different looks. That's what you do when you have a very talented player like Jalen Brunson is. Now, clearly, if you've got Julius Randle and you've got OG Ananobi, you can't have that same strategy. Plus, which means if you're doing that now, you're, you're able to defend better. Now they're not running down the, down the area where you're double-teaming people, and now you have an open lane, and what's going on is they're getting free and open shots going right down the lane, which is uh, which is inexcusable. You know, it's inexcusable. But that was what the Knicks did last night. And once again, it's against a Boston Celtics team 
that is unbelievable this year. And we've seen them unbelievable during the year before, during the regular season. And ultimately, because they're just running away with the East at this point, because Cleveland, who had who was as hot as Boston has been, couldn't gain any ground, and now they've lost three or four. Donovan Mitchell's been got an illness, so he's been out of the lineup. And so Boston's now starting to stretch a little, a little bit away. You, you saw the Sixers against the Knicks. You saw what the Sixers did today. I mean, Milwaukee, who's been struggling, just took care of them. The, the, the Sixers are, you know, they're struggling. And they're going to continue to struggle until Embiid comes back. Buddy Hill's not giving them anything. Harris, Tobias Harris is not giving them anything. It's the Tyrese Maxey show. He's a great player. Beats people off the dribble. Gets no calls. I mean, he goes to the basket and gets beat up a lot. Doesn't get any calls. Um, and, you know, and, and the Sixers have the Knicks a couple of times. They got Boston next. They've got a tough schedule coming. They got Dallas, who with Luka and Kyrie, they seem to be really putting their minds to being focused and available. It's Kyrie's part. And they're playing very good basketball right now. So this is um, this is a fascinating time in the NBA. This is crunch time. You got what twenty two, twenty three more games left to go before we get to the postseason. That's what's happening. All right, and once again, as Nick fans, when you get to the really good teams in the division, in the conference, in the league. You have to have everybody on hand. You have to be as healthy as possible. You don't have a large margin for error, and you've got in key positions where you're lacking in speed. So the footwork was just, I mean, I felt sorry for Bogdanovich trying to stay with Jason Tatum last night. I mean, you can't stay with them. Tatum is an elite scorer. He took one step, he was buying. It was rough. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. 1-800-919-3776. Let's begin with the coach. Spikes in St. Pete. What's up, coach? A little Larry's better than a lot of anybody else. I'll just start with that. Uh, we spent, uh, my friend Chick and I spent about an hour breaking down the game like we have been, uh, I'll tell you, uh, blessed to 60-some-odd years doing this. Blessed to still have one friend left that I grew up with. Ooh. But he's a good one. He said right away before the game, they're not going to double Jalen Brunson, which they didn't. And uh, Jalen Brunson, as you uh, perfectly said, uh, put the best defender and a future Hall of Famer, Drew Holiday, in that blender a few times. Nothing, nothing to be ashamed of. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, his major complaint, first of all, i got to tell you two things. We, we came to the same conclusion. You will not see better games, statistically you will, from Jalen Brown and from Kristaps Porzingis. Porzingis, they moved him down. You notice what Missoula did? Mm-hmm. He moved him down, and he made two no-look passes like magic, man. Um, gee, weird. what's going on? They're good. They're really good. The Sam Hauser and Peyton Pritchard, they're, they, they, they're like the Milwaukee guys. You know, Connaughton and the other guy come off the bench. Uh, Milwaukee kept the wrong one. They should have kept uh, Grayson Allen was shooting. He's at almost 50%, Larry. He's really yeah. some addition to that team. But uh, the Knicks win the game, and uh, you don't have players two and three, and you got half a Hartenstein because he's, you know, he's just weaning them in. So uh, you're not going to be Boston for two halves, but Boston is broken away, as you uh, intelligently uh, referred to. And now it's just a question of the teams below. You don't want to slip below third. Uh, it looks like there's an illness with uh, Donovan Mitchell. Uh, that's compromised Cleveland. It's like taking Brunson off the Knicks. It's as mm-hmm. similar as I can get, it, right? Uh, but the Knicks, uh, and, and my buddy Chick says, he says, gee, was what's with Tibbs? I said, you got to stop, man. I love you for my whole life. 78 years, you got to stop. Tibbs is Tibbs. Yeah, he's he's a great defensive coach. He's got to keep McBride played so well last night. He played so well on both sides of the ball. That leave him in there. Let him get comfortable. I see he's moving to the middle of the floor, and the guys are cutting a little now. Look, the defense ends over. You get that's a steal. We stole that guy. He signed for three years. Hart, we stole. You get the same thing out of those guys. Their motors never stop. And it's unfair to expect much more, like you said before about Bogdanovich. I mean, you're putting them in an untenable situation, yeah. man. I mean, 
it was embarrassing a little. Not for him. He's, he does what he does. He does it well. We know what we get with Alec Burks. We got to get these guys back. And I'm going to say it again and then listen to my friend for an hour and a half, whatever I got up there. And I hope I'm not misconstrued. The team moves. We don't. We do miss Julius Randle. We move, we miss his toughness. You played when you got on the call and you knew, knew one guy was really tough. You stayed away from him. We miss his toughness, but the floor is open. The assists are down. The turnover uh, turnovers are down. The assists are up, and you played the best team, maybe the best team in, in basketball. Uh, but I thought, if full strength, I'm trying to project, we might have had a chance against them if we had everybody last night, you know. But Porzingis. If he plays that well, closer mm-hmm. to the basket, passing like that, and, yeah. and boxing out like that, listen, Tatum, you know, Tatum's a little stuff. I, I think we have to take these back-to-back games. Let him play McBride if we get ahead of Detroit by 18 or 20 points. Am I dreaming? Yeah, I think you are, Spike. Thanks for the phone call. Because I, I just I don't think that uh, Tibbs, Tibbs doesn't look at McBride that way. Okay? He, he doesn't. So... He, the way he looks at McBride is I can spot him in certain situations, okay? Uh, yes, if, if I need a quick spark maybe for a defender, I'll put him in. You know, I, I, he just doesn't – he has some faith in him, but he doesn't have a lot of faith in him. And listen, if you're Miles McBride, you do what you do. You do what you do. You come out there, you play the tough defense. If you get some baskets, keep the ball moving. That's what you do. And your defense is going to earn you playing time. Because if there's a scenario, like I said, if you're trying to change up or, or put a different look for somebody, you're going to try to put McBride out there because his footwork is very good. And so that's what Tibbs is going to do. Tibbs is not – he has not earned the – he is not in Tibbs' circle of trust yet as far as I can trust him to score, I can trust him to run the offense, I can trust him to keep the ball moving. He's not there with him. And I don't know if he will ever be there with him because – Tibbs looks at him as a defensive person, and if he gives me something offensively, that's gravy. You're looking at him as, okay, listen, let him get some experience. We're losing the game anyway. Let's get some experience. See if he can change some things. See if he can quicken the pace. See if he can do some things. I mean, you have noticed that on occasion he's able to hit some shots, okay? But if he, but to Tibbs, if he's not hitting shots, I'm going to pull him. Because I need the scoring. And last night, he said, you know what? Defense is nice. I need the scoring. I got to try to get back and see if I can make a late run in this game before I, you know, say goodbye to it. So that was the thought process last night. 1-800-919-3776. Spike, you mentioned Christoph Spazingas. And he was, in a word, he was outstanding last night. His ability uh, to hit the three, which, listen, as Nick fans, we knew. Okay. The issues we had with Porzingis was not talent. The issues we had with Porzingis, I'll speak for me as a Nick fan. The other Nick fans can weigh in. The issues we had, the issues I had for, for with Porzingis was lack of availability. I mean, he was always hurt. Always. We knew he could score. We knew he could hit the three. We knew he could do some things. We knew we could, he had good vision, obviously, to see the court. All right? We knew it was a rebound. He blocked a couple of shots. He just was never healthy here. Ever. It just seemed like, and then after not being healthy, he won a max contract. And then there was whole certain things with the, with his brother, the agent, and the Knicks, and all this other stuff. So, listen, and by the way, he's gone to several other places. All right? So it's not just, you're not looking at it to say, oh, well, the Knicks blew it because look how he's performed. No, he went to several other places where he did not perform well. Obviously, in this spot, where he is the third option behind Tatum and Brown, it's perfect spot for him. It's perfect. He doesn't have to carry the team. He just has to do his part. Okay? So this is, a, this is an outstanding position for him. Let's see what he had to say about how he was greeted at the Garden last night. I enjoy it, to be honest. They, they, they kind of, I would say they went down in my years in Washington, you know. Uh, but I was still getting booed, but I feel like now they've ramped up again a little bit, you know, me being on the Celtics and, and having this kind of rivalry with, with the Knicks. As I always say, it's like I prefer, like, any kind of emotion over no emotion, you know, so it's either cheers or, or, or booze. 
I, I, I want it, you know, and, and tonight was no different. Big game, TV game, fans were into it, and uh, yeah, we just took care of business. So, uh, good win for us. Yeah, it was a good win for the Celtics, and of course, you know, and he enjoyed the booze, and he turned them into points, and that's what really good players do. You know, he, he couldn't wait to come back here again, and especially with a Celtic team that's hot the way they're playing right now, it's great. And here's what he does for them. Okay, here's the other thing he does for them. Because when you really break it down, Tatum and Brown are the same player. Now, Tatum's game is better than Jalen Brown's. But they are the same player, and they really kind of play the same position. So that's why we look back over the years and we're like, why is it that you don't see very rarely, not ever, but very rarely do you see in big games that Brown and Tatum both play well and both have major games, okay? Because really, they're the same player doing kind of the same thing. Well, now you've got Porzingis in there, A, and Drew Holiday, B, so you don't, one of them being Tatum or Brown, they don't have to bring the ball up now. The ball doesn't have to be in their hands all the time. You can have Drew Holiday bring it up and go someplace and, fig- and keep them moving without the ball, and then you have to try to you know, figure out where they're going to be. And, of course, they can bring the ball up if they want to. And the same thing with Porzingis. I mean, Porzingis handles the ball decently. He can bring the ball up. You, heard, you saw the passes he made last night. All right, he, he has good vision. So the versatility of their offense is what really makes their what makes them so tough now. Because even though you've got two of the same player, in a sense, style-wise, okay, even though you have that, uh, you don't have it in the same situation where, okay, I can double one, I, I can, let me let Tatum beat me, I'll just try to keep Brown out, or whoever's hot. Well, Brown's hot, let's see if we can get Tatum out. Or they defer to each other, and therefore by deferring to each other, neither one of them's doing anything in big games. So this is – it will be interesting to see, though, in the postseason because really that's what it's about for the Celtics, right? We all can agree because they've been there. It's about are they going to be able to take that next step and get to a champion and win a championship because this group has been there, it seems like, every year for the past five, six, seven years. They've been right there going deep into the postseason but losing. And so – Yes, they're having a great regular season, but it's all about what's going to happen in the postseason. And when you play, and we say this a lot, the same team over and over and over and over again, over a seven-game series, from a coaching standpoint, can you find a way to take some things away from Boston that will hurt them and allow you to steal a win or two that puts you in a position where, you know what, I only have to win three. I have to only, only have to find a way to win two more games because of coaching situations, because of mismatches, because of, and I think last night watching Mike Wilbon on ABC with the broadcast, he had a great analysis. analysis. He mentioned who in the East is going to test Boston for whomever they face in the West? That's going to be the question. Who in the East is going to test them? Who will be healthy enough down the stretch to push them so that they have a, 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 a series where they have to perform on all cylinders so that they'll be ready for whoever comes out of the West? Be it, It's probably going to be Denver. There could always be a surprise. It could be Clippers, uh, Phoenix, Maybe if they get Bradley Beal back, uh, but they're struggling. I mean, they're in the playing spot right now with all the moves they made. I mean, Dallas is playing well of late. Don't know if they get to the finals, but they're playing well. Minnesota, the you know OKC outside. I mean, the West is deep. The West is very, very deep. I haven't even mentioned LeBron and the Lakers. I mean, they could go on the run. So what team is going to push them? And I guess you can never count out Steph and the, and the Warriors, right? This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Jan is in Yonkers. Hey, Jan, you're next on 98.7.
Hi, thank you for taking my call. Hey, Jen. The, the game last night, um, two things. And you took the words out of my mouth about footsteps for singers. You know, too bad he wasn't available as much for the Knicks shooting those threes. Okay, he was pretty much mostly injured when he was with us. And moving on, uh, what's disturbing to me about that game last night? Alex Burke and Bogdanovich took a ton of three-pointers. Mm-hmm. And they were missing all over the place, pretty much. I think Alex made one and Bogdanovich made one, and that was it. Uh, we got these guys for scoring. I think that if they would have made most of their three-pointers, it would have made the game a lot closer. I don't know if we would have won the game or not, but something to think about because going down into the playoffs, uh, we're going to need both of them to score mm-hmm. three-pointers. Yep. Because that's the way, the way the game is played right now. Yep. Thank you for taking my call and your thoughts. All right, Jan. Thanks for calling. They Both of those guys um, are rhythm shooters. That's A. So, you know, they shoot on the move. They, they shoot tough shots. They can hit threes. But let's give Boston's defense some credit last night because most of all their threes were contested. And then you start now, when you have an opening, now you're starting to rush your three. You're just trying to just put it up. You just I, Somebody's come. oh, I got I to gotta get it up quick because the defense is off. I got to get it up quick. Or you're shooting over somebody, you're challenged. So I think, you know, part of it, you have to give credit to what Boston was able to do defensively. They were very good. I mean, they were very good. Yes, the Knicks had a hard time shooting threes. I mean, listen, Boston was 15 of 35 from three. They shot just under 43%. All right? The Knicks were 13 of 38, and they shot just over 34%. And if you look at the percentage, I mean, at one point, Jan, the Celtics shot 70% from the field. 70. I mean, they ended up shooting, what, 56.8, like just under 57%, and just over 42 from three. I mean, they were hot last night. And defensively, the Knicks could not match what they were able to do. Boston's a very good team. They're, they're, if not the highest scoring team, they're of the top two or three highest scoring teams in the league. And they could beat you in half court. They could beat you with pace. They could beat you a min, a many different ways. You lost to a better team last night. And considering that you were minus three players, the fact that you ended up losing by 14 in the final score, I know it wasn't as close, down by 20 at one point. But the fact that it was, you know, you lost by 14, I mean, you know, it wasn't 20, wasn't 20 at 30. You had some you had some moments in the game. But you're not there yet. You don't have the scoring, and you did not match them defensively. And that's what you had to do to win the game last night. Jose's in Brooklyn. What's up, Jose? Hey, good afternoon, Larry. Shout out to the company. And I just wanted to definitely chime in with the Nick game because I was definitely watching last night and, you know, and also wanted to say, you know, they, um, you know, also big ups to, you know, Spike, because he let me know what, what time you were on today. Cause I was just like, why is there an NBA game playing? <laughs> but it was, <laughs> you know, and, um, also wanted to, you know, big, um, give a special thanks to, you know, Buddha from the Bronx. Cause you know, he, he, he hit me up with a message that, you know, definitely I needed to re- read and kind of reshifted my focus. Mm. So <clears throat> with the, with the Knicks, you know, I, I, I wasn't too disappointed because, I, you know, I know it's Boston. And to me, I can't stand Boston, Larry. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm one of those, you know, throwback fans. And, yep. you know, I cannot stand when they when, when, when they come in here and win. But considering, you know, the nuances of, you know, what we were dealing with, I'm actually very – I came away very impressed, um, you know, 
were, was Boston the better team? Of course. They showed it in the third quarter because we all know what that saying is within the NBA. Third quarters is when the adjustment is made and you usually see the better team pretty much um, separate and kind of, you know, take, take over the game by, by the time the fourth quarter comes. So when I, when I saw what was happening, I knew it was going to happen. But I was very relieved because they still didn't give up. They still tried to compete, you know, in the fourth quarter. It was still, you know, it, you know, we lost by 14, which is what a five, you know, five to seven possession game. We still had, you know, it, it was still, you know, it, it's something that it's like, hey, I, and I was just talking to the call screen earlier, like, um, with, and I was just like, if if we kind of have like an OG and if we if we kind of have like an OG and an OBP or a Julius Randle piece, we're definitely seeing a closer game that's going down to the wire, and I'm just hoping that the Knicks get healthy, Larry, because mm. I think that this will be a great great heavyweight fight we're talking about like and it's been a long time since the Knicks and Celtics have had a heavyweight fight in the yeah. playoffs like yep. like I, I would right. really would would love that because that would really rekindle a lot of those old you know those old, 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 old days that you know Spike and you remember so I hope you have oh, a great yeah. one guys all right thanks Jose I can go back speaking of that I can go back to um I'm going way back Sitting in the Boston Garden and the old Boston, the original, not TD Bank, the original Boston Garden, and climbing up to one of the high broadcast perches where they set media. And I was blessed enough to sit next to Walt Clyde Frazier during that game. It was a game that um, the, the he wasn't doing radio that game. And he and I were sitting next to each other. And um, it was, you know, it, it, it was just, ugh, it's, it's Boston. <laughs> Nick fans just don't like Boston. The, the, the later Nick fans... You know, it's Miami, and I understand that. I get it. Pat Riley, you know, the the fight. Uh, you know, I get it. I get that. But to the older Nick fan, it's it's Boston. It's like with the Jets. To the newer Jet fan, it's New England. We hate New England. New England beats us. Oh, we're New England. To the older Jet fan, it's Miami. It's Marino with the fake spike. It's watering down the field. It's Miami. And so just sitting up there watching that game and just like, you know, and then going into the Celtic locker room after, going into the Celtic locker room after the game and then going into the Nick locker room, which was the visiting locker room after the game. And it was like, you know, just the difference. It was really hot <laughs> in the Nick locker room. For some reason, the air wasn't working in the Nick locker room, the guest locker room where the Knicks were. In the Boston locker room I was in there, it felt pretty good. felt pretty good. It's just little stuff like that. And plus, I mean, let's face it. Uh, when you're playing against a team that wins and you don't beat them, you, there's, there's a frustration. There's an anger. There's a, there's a, you know, there's a sports-heavy dislike of what's going on there. So, um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's funny about – the Boston fans and, and, and the Boston Celtics and, and, you know, facing them in the postseason, and, uh, you know, listening to, you know, listening to Hubie Brown, uh, do the game today and remembering Hubie saying, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, people, certain people aren't walking through that door and how, um, I'm sorry, that's Patino, but he was talking about other things. And, uh, Hubie Brown was talking about how, you know, what we have and we got Bernard and we're going to go with Bernard King. And it was just, just some of those battles were just classic, obviously with the great Larry Bird and Paris and McHale and, you know, trying to go up there and trying to win some games against a very talented Boston team. And they've, they've listen, they are one of the winningest franchises in the NBA and one of the winningest franchises in professional sports as have been the Lakers, as have been the Yankees, as have been Montreal Canadiens. These, these are the, the gold standard of, you know, greatness in professional sports here in North America. And 
you know, when you go, when you're able to be the Boston Celtic team, you know, you kind of want that. So in this going down this stretch uh, where they're really, really good, I mean, really, really good, it will be interesting to see if the Knicks were healthy, just what they could do in the seven-game series with the Celtics. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Because of the success they've had this season and we like what the moves have been, right? And we see that they made trades to bring in OG Ananobi and they picked up Bogdanovich and Burks, you know, for the bench. And we kind of look at it as right now, whereas, which is okay, because that's where we are, right? And, and we want to enjoy it and enjoy the run that they're on, enjoy the fact that they have a chance to be a postseason team once again. And it would be the third time in four years when they hadn't been to the postseason in over a decade, going back to when Carmelo and then Jason Kidd and, you know, uh, uh, Amari Stoudemire and, and company lost to Indiana in the semis, uh, the team hadn't been to the postseason. And so we look at it and we're fixated on now. I think the other thing that's really nice is that you also have a chance to see that it's a team that is finally making moves to be good and, and competitive and be a playoff caliber team for at least the next couple of years. And so I think that's, as a Nick fan, that's something that, you know, this team hasn't, hasn't had the opportunity to do. And the further they go and the more successful they are, uh, you know, and they're still having assets. Okay. They made these moves and didn't give up a number one pick. So they still have assets to even still get better. So that's also something to think about when you look at, at this team and how good they're playing, you know, have played and the, curiosity to see just how good this team can be when everybody is healthy, including the new additions. Franz and Massapequa, what's up, Fran? Man, Larry, what's up, baby? How you doing? Can you do me a favor, spell your last name? I, I get I just don't I don't say it right. I don't I Say it. Larry say. Hard to say. Uh you're giving is, it Is a, it like Hardaway with the hard to nope, say? Like, no. Nope. It's H A R D E S T Y. You're doing it S E Y. It's S T Y. So just say it once and I'll. Hardesty. Hardesty. There you go. <laughs> I did it. All right, great. There you go. Yeah, you're, you're, you guys, I like you alone, and I like I like you guys alone, but I like you guys as a team. You and uh, what's his name? I Gordon Day. Gordon, now I'm blank. <laughs> I, hope I hope he didn't hear that. Yeah. But listen, it, 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 this is typical Met fan. I'm a Knicks fan, Met fan. Mm-hmm. This is typical. Last year, look what happened with the injury. Beginning of the year, yeah. some are dead. Some are over. I don't mean to use that word, but some are over. Yep. Now you look at this. We were rolling. I mean, I was enjoying the game with my own man. It was, uh, you know, Knicks are on. Let's And don't get me wrong, it's still the same, but they're losing. Mm-hmm. The yeah. injuries, it, it just goes to show you. You could be on top one day and the next day, you get smacked in the old keister. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's just sad because they were running. Everything, was, we, we, it was a fine-tuned machine. Everything was running great. You got guys now that, listen, they're playing, you know, starting, but they would, you know, the team wasn't built that way. They were supposed to be the backups coming in. So it's everything's this disarray. And it's just a shame because now, now it looks terrible. And I just, I'm, it's just a shame. Because it, it's the Mets and the Knicks. You know, and the Mets and all, you know, just a loser team. Thanks, All right, Larry. Fran, but let me ask you this. How do you feel about the Mets coming up? All right, we lost them. I wanted to get his thoughts on the Mets, too. Um, listen, I hear what you're saying, Fran, but the season's not over. And the Knicks have a chance to get healthy again. And you do have a chance for Ananobi to return. And Mitchell Robinson, who's a forgotten person here because he's been gone so long, to return. And to say, obviously, Julius Randle. And to see how they mesh with the players that you have on your bench. And here's the positive thing. And you always have to try to look positively, all right? Here's the positive thing about the bench. Is that they have played so many minutes and such meaningful minutes because of injury. They're experienced. You could go to them in a spot where one of your starters down in the in the postseason is in, gets in foul trouble and you need to go to your bench. 
You're confident because they have performed well. You're confident because you know what they can bring to the table. The moment is not going to be too big for them. So that's, nobody wants injuries, but that's the positive part about it. The other side is just think of how fresh the legs will be when these guys come back. Think how fresh Julius Randle's legs will be once he gets back into uh, basketball shape physically and, you know, from from his fatigue standpoint. Think of how fresh O.J. Ananobi's going to be. Think of how fresh Mitchell Robinson's going to be. And in turn, think how healthy it makes your bench because they will play less minutes. So there's there's a negative, obviously, because in the short term, you're losing games that you would not and have not lost previously. You're losing games that, uh, you know, you're – you would have won before and have a better chance to win with a full roster of players. But on the other side, these guys that are hurt, they have fresh legs coming back. And so that's what you hope that you can recoup some of that and just bring over together. But here's the bottom line, friend. You make a great point. And Michael K says it all the time. That's why when we sit and we try to predict what team's going to be what way and what team's going to do this and what team's going to look like this and how this team's going to perform and what happens. Injury is the great equalizer because you can't predict injuries. The only thing you can try to do is to predict, uh, you know, depth, to predict if you do have injuries, what can you do? Can you survive it? And listen, very few teams, okay, very few teams in the NBA, very few teams, period, where you have your top upper echelon player where you have a superstar, very few teams can afford to lose that caliber of talent for any amount of time. It's hard. Look at, look at the Sixers. I mean, they are, they are suffering without Joel Embiid right now, suffering. And this is a situation that, unfortunately, for Sixer fans, is all too familiar. Because, you know, we talked about Christoph Porzingis' availability earlier. <laughs> Joel Embiid's availability has not been great either. He has a lot of issues health-wise. Not his fault. He just does. And so, you know, Nick Nurse and the Sixers, they don't have the depth to kind of to over to, to overcome that that type of talent loss in Joel Embiid. He's MVP candidate every year and MVP last year. How do you how do you fulfill the loss of an MVP caliber player? In, an, in, an, in a star-driven league like the National Basketball Association. That's why you, you're, you're crying for Buddy Hill to give you something. That's why you're crying for Tobias Harris to give you something. Help Tyrese Maxey out. Somebody off the bench. Can somebody help? Now, Kyle Lowry is going to do the best he can, but he's not the player he was. He, has, he brings other intangibles to the game. There's no question about that. But you need a, you need a, a consistent 15. You need several players that's going to give you 15 to 20 points a game to try to make up for the fact that you don't have Joel Embiid. Brandon's in Jersey. What's up, Brandon? Hey, Larry. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. What's happening? Um, I just think a lot of Nick fans are acting like the sky's kind of falling a little bit because, you know, things aren't going great lately. And Brunson, I think Brunson and DiVincenzo are doing as much as they can right now. But when you look at how the team is playing, when – the first guy, OG, and him, Randall, Brunson, DiVincenzo, like everybody's healthy, everybody's playing together. They were, what, 11-4, and 12-3 in their first 15 games at OG. They look great. Mm-hmm. He's one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. You know, when you have somebody like that, that can you're never going to stop a Jason Tatum or a Jalen Brown. But when you have a guy that can, can man him up and you can feel comfortable, at least more comfortable than Bogdanovich covering him, right? I mean, <laughs> you know, when, when you have a healthy roster – especially the way they were playing, it, it gives you more optimism. But, you know, you see, you hear some Nick fans complaining and, and, and crying because, you know, Bogdanovich and Burks aren't carrying the weight. These guys are role players for a reason, you know. Like, if you're mm-hmm. relying on these guys to give you 20 points a game, you have bigger problems. And, yeah, right now you have to ask a little bit more from Bogdanovich at 37 years old and Burks is, what, probably 32, 33, 34, something like that. Like, you have to ask for more out of them right now because you have – you have key players injured, but you know you, you touched on it before. Who's to say what this team can do when Randall and OG are healthy? And 
listen, I'm not saying they're going to make a title run or anything, but you get a healthy squad led by Jalen Brunson, who should be getting some MVP consideration mm-hmm. this year because he's been fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't want him when the Knicks first got him, but this guy has shut me up and has been one of the best players in the league for now going two years in a row. And as far as I'm concerned, he's, he's the MVP. And you have a, a real leader like that, a guy who's won at every level of his career. I mean, even in college, he knows what it's like to win a championship. So you have a guy like that leading the, leading the way with a healthy squad with, with OG, one of the best perimeter defenders in the league, mm-hmm. one of the best three and D players in the league in general. Yep. Um, Listen, I don't love Julius in the playoffs, but you know what? He's still a guy that on any given night can give you 30 points. And then you got DiVincenzo, Bogdanovich. Well, you know what's going to be interesting? You know what's going to be interesting, Brandon? And thanks for the phone call. Is And this is what I'm looking forward to. What will be the difference with Randall this year in the postseason with other people able to carry the load? I mean, we, we crucify him and we're critical of him in, against Atlanta, and rightfully so, because... He was the main guy, and he just couldn't do anything. And last season, he was hurt. So it's really incomplete over what he can do in the postseason. So this year, if he's able to come back and be, once again, we're going to have to wonder, I guess this year, depending on you know, his, how healthy he is, I guess this year is going to be an incomplete too because we're not going to know how much the shoulder's bothering him while how much he's going to be able to participate. But that aside... Uh, if he's able to go, it will be interesting to see what he can do with other people there to help him out. He's not the number one option. He's like 1A or 2. Brunson's the number one option on this team. And, Brandon, you're not alone. There are people in the league who will tell you they they knew that he was a talented player. They did not expect Jalen Brunson to be the way he is right now. Didn't expect it. He has taken his game to another level. You saw hints of it with Luka injured and on the bench in the postseason two years ago, but nothing to this extent where you would say, man, wow. I mean, this is going to go down. This is, for me, this is, this is up to date. It's the best free agent signing in Nick history, up to date for me, off the top of my head. I can't think of any, what, what would be better. For the immediate impact in their prime, in their prime, over the past 20 years, I mean, it's, it's, it's great. All due respect to Maurice Stoudemire. All due respect. Who said, we're back. All due respect. He had this kind of impact for the first half of the season that he got here. And then, you know, once again, the injuries and in, in situations that, you know, you knew what you had. You knew what you were getting with Amari. It's no knock against him. He was fabulous. Fabulous. But what Brunson has done has been unbelievable. It's been unbelievable. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. We've been talking Knicks and a little baseball. Let's uh, head back to the phones and uh, get some more conversation. Let's talk to Mitch in East Windsor. Mitch, you're next on 98.7. How's it going? What's up, Mitch? Uh, good. Uh, you don't have to spell your last thing. Uh, it's like sending you a Christmas card, so I'll uh, just stick to sports here. Um, I think I can't wait for Mitchell. He's, you know, to come, he's, I hope Mitchell Robinson come back this year. But he's still, his play is a little disappointing. I mean, I don't expect him to be a Joel Embiid. I mean, he's, he's like one of the best centers. Uh, his tendency to get hurt. But um, I think last year should have been, they should have had it. two guys win MVP. But uh, hopefully Mitchell comes back. I think you guys be next will be in the top four. Mm-hmm. And when okay. we walk again, uh, Damon Lilliard, you know, it's a little funny because I think Boston, Boston really has a good team. So Damon Lilliard, he pushes forces way out of uh, Portland, but he's not getting a ring this year. And one thing on baseball, mm-hmm. I mean, the Dodgers, they really spent a lot of money. Like, it's going out of style. But they, I think they have one homegrown talent in a starting offensive lineup, which that's the part I don't like about, about baseball now. Well, I hear you, Mitch, but you know what? And thanks for the phone call. It's, it's, 
it's kind of a level playing field in the sense that everybody has the opportunity to do it. Of course, the smaller market teams that don't. So I understand that. I get that. But but that's the wave right now. And if you have that availability, that ability to spend money and make your team better, that's what you do. And here's here's the saving grace for you, Mitch. Okay, here's the saving grace for you since you don't like it. It doesn't guarantee you victory. Dodgers have one title, and that's the, uh, you know, the COVID-shortened season in 2020. That That's it. That's it. Okay? That's all they have. So they are a very talented team, though, on paper. I mean, you know, you add Otani to that lineup, Yamamoto pitching in that lineup they, they, with all the folks that they have. It's, it's a very, very talented lineup, but there's no guarantees. No guarantees. It just gives you a better opportunity. And if you get into a close series, hopefully you've got more leeway, right? If, you, if, if a pitcher's got to navigate, and Yankee fans know what I'm talking about, that long lineup where, you know, you're a pitcher, you're like, where's there a breather when I can get somebody out? Dodgers don't have that, but we'll see if it, if it continues and they have that success. Uh, Mitchell Robinson is is... Yeah, availability has been an issue for him as well. But he will be back. He's scheduled to be back. And so, you know, if he comes back and he gives you the, you know, the, the, the defensive prowess that, we, that he's known for, the ability to block shots, to be a rim protector, to be arguably the best offensive rebounding center in the NBA, then, you know, listen, you'll take that in a minute, in a heartbeat. You would love to see that back. Uh, Mr. Black is in Connecticut. What's up, MB? Hey, how you doing, man? Thanks for having me. Uh, what I wanted to say, you know, for a lot of Knicks fans, because I'm a Knicks fan, just be patient. It's going to be all right. DiVincenzo, see, what we last night, what showed me was when Randall is there, when he's healthy in there, he sets good picks. You have you have Alex Burke, you have DiVincenzo, and you also have Brunson. They can come off the threes off of picks even though Brunson can create his own shot. But these are these are players that have they rely on the pick because they have a certain rhythm that they shoot off on. And last night, I got to say, even though I don't like them, Boston played good defense. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they didn't allow them to come off with that pick so those shooters can come off with the, the jump shot from threes like that. So You're right. I'm just I'm just I'm just saying simply saying that just be patient cuz once they do come back we also we also got to play to a certain rhythm like we did in the past because we got to get rebounds we have to you know know where everybody's spot is at for the shot and you have to be there to set that pick so they can be open for that shot. You're 1000% right. Thanks for the phone call. And the other thing that Boston did was part of their good defense. They challenged the pick and roll. In other words, they did not allow the screener to set the pick. They challenged the pick and roll. So there was somebody with a quick switch. There was somebody right there. So if you moved, there was a defender that dropped over. They had, you look at that video. They, they performed it brilliantly last night. It was brilliant. It was what they did. And you can bet that Tibbs and the coaching staff showed that video to the players today. We'll show it to them tomorrow. We'll show it to them again because sports, all the leagues are copycats. There's going to be a team, and they may not have the talent to do it, but there's going to be a team that's going to try to duplicate that to the best of their ability to try to slow down the Nick offense. There's no question. I mean, why wouldn't you not? I mean, it worked. Okay, it worked. It slowed them down. And what it did was it made Brunson dribble a lot. And so where you saw previously during the winning streak, you've seen ball movement, you've seen uh, the Knicks cutting, you've seen the lane open, you've seen passing and finding multiple people open. You did not have that last night. A, because they couldn't push the basketball. And B, because of the way Boston challenged and spread out their defense. They played very well last night. They did. Richardson, Manhattan. Hey, Richard. 
Larry, maybe yes. you can answer this. I've got two questions. Okay. The Knicks and the Lakers met three times for the championship in a period of four years, 1970, 1972, and 1973. Am I correct? Three times. Yes. Mm-hmm. Since 1974 to 2023, they've never met again, 50 years. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Because both of them had been bad at the same time, Richard. <laughs> 50 years. They both been not bad at, one at the time. same time. I was hoping this year maybe. Yeah. All they right. both Another been question. bad. And, and, and then when you go back, the Knicks were struggling during the, the, the Shaq and Kobe years. So, you know, they, they weren't there. It's funny, though, you mentioned that, Richard, because the Lakers met the Nets, but not the Knicks during that run. Yeah, that's true. All right. Now, from 1952 to 1981, the Yanks and Dodgers met eight times, eight times in 30 years. Mm-hmm. From 1982 to 2023, that's tw- uh, 43 years, the Yankees and Dodgers have not met in the World Series. Mm-hmm. Why is that? They're both spending, and they still can't meet in the World Series. Why is that, Larry? Because other teams have spent wiser than they have. <laughs> Larry, one time I'm asking, not I five know. times. <laughs> one time. That's, that's 43 and 50. and yeah, That's 93 sports years. We've seen the hockey teams in Los Angeles and New York. That was only 10 years ago, the Rangers and the Kings. That's right. At least they met once. Jesus, Larry, as as far as the NBA now, you got to say one thing. In the West, Mm -hmm. you got a lot of teams, and they're all teams that never won. You got, listen to this, you got Oklahoma City never won it. You got Minnesota never won it. Mm -hmm. You got New Orleans never won it. You got Phoenix never won it. You got the L.A. Clippers have never won it. You got a lot of teams that, I mean, as great as Boston is, all they got to do is run into one of these hot teams in the finals. And you may have back to last year was Denver's term, turn, you know, all these years not winning a championship. I hope we see a new NBA winner. That's the best thing for the NBA. Get new blood in there. And I would love to see an OKC or a Minnesota, even the Clippers with their veterans. Mm. That would be a great, great story. I mean, I like the Celtics. I like the way they played last night. You've got to fall in love with that team. Jeru Holiday and the way these guys play, the way that guy coaches, young kid. Would mm-hmm. you ever see a young guy like 30, 35 years old coach like that? This guy's a genius, boy. He's great. And a great game yesterday. Larry, the only thing I missed yesterday, to be honest with you, uh-huh. and I'll be honest, I know you're part of the station and part of the group, but I miss Mark. Jackson and uh, Stan Van Gundy, man. Yeah, I, I, yeah, Jeff Van Gundy. I miss those guys. When those guys were on, it had a big game feel. That's the mm-hmm. only thing I miss. Everything else was perfect. Larry, always a pleasure. Thank All right, you. Richard. Thanks for checking in. Uh, yeah, listen, a lot of folks loved Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy. You loved it. They, they worked well together with Mike Breen. And uh, you're right. They always had a big game feel to it. And, uh, you know, Doris Burke, I was just telling the story to the guys during the break. I mean, I remember working with Doris Burke when she was working at MSG and to watch how she has elevated her career and uh, give, been given the opportunity and, and has earned it and has been rewarded and continues to improve and get even better is great. And J.J. Reddick is, is interesting. He's, he's good. He's good. Has a different feel to it. Gives you more of an analytic feel. Uh, feel of today having played and use analytics so it's a nice you know it's, it's it's a nice group so we'll see how they will grow together but you know uh mark jackson and jeff van gundy have been around the line they've got a lot of big games behind them so it'll be interesting to see and we'll see how good they are as as uh with uh burke and and reddick and bring we'll see how good they are as we come to these pro- playoffs and big games but you're right richard it's out west there's there's gonna be some there could be some surprises of folks getting knocked off. Here's what's so funny. You named so many other teams, and we named a bunch of teams at the beginning when I said, who will be will the East properly prepare Boston for whom they will face in the West? And last year's surprise coming out of the party team was the Sacramento Kings. Nobody's even talking about Sacramento now. Like Sacramento's an afterthought. Because of what OKC has done and because of what, you know, uh, uh, Minnesota's done. And yeah, you know, now that Zion Williamson has been available, what the, the, uh, the, the Pelicans are doing now. So it's, and oh, by the way, because of the injury to John Morant, there's no Memphis. 
Well, you know, Memphis is another one of those great up-and-coming teams out West that really almost sent Golden State packing last season. So it, it's there's a lot of young and upcoming teams in the East, in, in the West. Uh, you've got, you know, the, the Pacers here in the East, I guess Cleveland. You see what they're going to do. Can they continue their ascent coming up? Uh, you're starting to see a change in – you know, championship teams and young teams starting to grow and get better. It's it's a, it's kind of a fun time in the NBA. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.